0: Welcome to the Sarah Centrella Show. Join best-selling author, master life coach, and manifesting expert Sarah Centrella as she shares tips, tools, and inspiring interviews to help you create your dream life. It's time to hustle and thrive. Now, here's your host, Sarah Centrella. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. It is your host, Sarah Centrella, and I have a special, special show for y'all today. I'm super excited about this conversation. It is honestly one of the reasons why I decided to name my show The Sarah Centrella Show rather than a specific kind of topic because I wanted the freedom and flexibility to talk about whatever I wanted to talk about. Uh, And this show today is a great example of that. I feel so fortunate to have been able to connect uh, with Dr. Viviana. She is our guest today, Dr. Viviana Coles. Um, She is not only co-host and expert on a show. I know y'all are binging. If you're not yet, you have to. It's starting its 11th season on Lifetime. Um, And this show is Married at First Sight, so I'm sure if you're a fan of the show, then you recognize Dr. Viviana from there. But she is also a doctor of marriage and family therapy. She's a licensed marriage therapist and a certified sex therapist. So y'all, you guessed it, we're going to talk about some sex. All right, welcome to the show, Dr. Viviana. Dr. Viviana, welcome to the show. I am so
1: excited for this conversation. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited, too. Anytime that I get to talk to a powerful woman who wants to empower others, I'm on board. Oh, my God, same. I love what you're doing. I've spent um, a lot of time on your site and checking out all your amazing programs and uh, this conversation, guys, is going to be a little bit different. We're going to get into some sex talk. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm excited. I opened up questions to my Facebook, and I got some great ones, so we're going to get into that a little bit today. But um, as always, I'm super fascinated by how people start. You know, like what's their starting story because you – have reached amazing level of success. I mean, um, you know, oh, you're, wow! Thanks. a <laughs> yeah, certified marriage and family therapist. Uh, you know, you're the expert on, of course, the hit show Married at First Sight. Um, but, you know, we don't start there, right? It's a journey to get there. And um, can you start off by telling us a little bit about In It? Um, so I would love to know yours, if you can share a little bit about how you got where you're at right now. Great, yeah, absolutely. I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. I'm a first-generation American. My parents, um, my mom is from Mexico, my dad is from Colombia, and I did grow up in a fairly traditional, um, but not too traditional, Hispanic, Latino family. And that kind of helped me because we're in each other's business. Like, our whole family is constantly, like, talking and we're trying to get together as often as possible. It has been really difficult for us during this time of this pandemic to be self-isolated, but mm. growing up, that was not the case. My best friends are my cousins, um, which is not typical of, of most yeah, families, yeah. but that, that is, you know, they've always been the closest people. And then what happens is we all tend to hold each other accountable. So it's not just my parents holding me accountable. It's my grandmother, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. Um, and so what, growing up, the, the intention that my parents had for me very early on was that no matter what field I go into, and it was very much promoted that I would have my own profession, mm-hmm. that I would not um, kind of rely on a partner even though, I I wanted to always, I always felt that I wanted a partner in life, Um, but they said, you have to get whatever the highest degree is that's possible. So if you're going to be a dentist, you know, go all the way. If you're going to be a carpenter, get any, uh, the highest degree possible is going to be what's going to set you up for success. And um, so I always knew that if I was going to do something, I'd be in school forever (laughs) <laughs> and I, unfortunately my parents were very supportive of that as long as I was going to school they would, they would help me um, and not have me struggling to do too many jobs so growing up I knew I loved to talk um, and when I finally met with my college counselor in high school in my junior year she said okay it's time to figure out where you're going to apply what kind of program you're going to go into what do you like to do? And I said, I love to talk. And she's like, okay, what do you like to talk about? Um, I said, I, I like to talk about anything. What do you mean? There's so much to talk about. She's like, well, what do people like to talk to you about? Like, what do you tend to have, you know, to have happen? And I said, well, people tend to come to me with all sorts of relationship issues, whether it's with their families. And at the time, I'm a junior in high school. I don't even I don't right. know what therapy about. Um, and I said, but that's not a job. And she's like, well, actually, it is a job. And I was like, really? She said, go into college, take Psych 101, take Sociology 101, and see what you think. And that was it. And so I did that. I went straight into a liberal arts school here in Texas, and I immediately fell in love with psychology. I immediately fell in love with trying to figure out why people do and say and are the way that they are. <laughs> like yeah. I just wanted to understand people. And Very quickly, I realized, okay, I still have to do my master's. I still have to do my doctorate. So I booked it through college. I did it in three years. I was doing at least 18 hours every semester, sometimes 24. And I graduated in three years, went um, and found an amazing program in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which was amazing um, <laughs> at Nova Southeastern University. Right. That right. has a dual degree program, so it's it's meant for people who want to get their master's and then move on to the doctorate. So I was either going to be in California or Florida. Florida went out, and I'm so glad it did because it was an amazing program. I did my I did my whole focus was on marriage and family therapy from the very beginning because I knew I wanted to be in private practice. A lot of people kind of go into graduate school wondering if they're going to do Private practice, academia, or research. And I've always known I want to work for myself. Mm-hmm. I want to make my own rules, make my own hours. I want to have time for the family because that's very yeah. important to me and always has been. So I, I just, I also tried to book it through that. So I did my my master's program in two years, and then all of a sudden I met my husband. <laughs> Uh-huh. And everything, time slowed down. Yeah, I we. Was um, like, well, <laughs> this is what's out there. <laughs> so great. Yeah, now cool. I, you know, because before it was just me, and I'm just like I'm super driven, and I'm doing all my classes, and I'm just going, going, going. And then I met my husband, and uh, we eloped very quickly. We um, decided to have to see if we could get pregnant within, you know, the first three months of getting married. We did right at the three-month mark. It was like, let's go. I was very fortunate. It all kind of worked out nicely. And then my doctoral degree just kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah, I did all right, of my right. program. Right. Yeah, it, it does. They, the kids, you know, they tend to derail you. Yep. Um, so I did all of my, my actual coursework and then moved back to Houston, and that's where everything started kind of going. Um, it wasn't until I was seven months pregnant with my son that I finally graduated with my second, our second child. So it took me seven years to get my doctorate. But meanwhile, I was building a practice. Meanwhile, I had gotten a certification as a sex therapist. Um, Florida is the only state that requires that you get certified as a sex therapist to say that you do sex therapy, which is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. I no idea. Otherwise... Anyone who has a mental health degree can say that they do sex therapy without ever having taken you even gone a through the training. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So that said, I have a very entrepreneurial spirit, and I like to create solutions for problems. So I created the Texas Sex Therapy Institute, which it does exactly that. It certifies mental health professionals to become certified sex therapists because. Most of the time, all of these programs, especially when I started, were, I, were on each coast. And gotcha. there, was nothing in, there was nothing accessible in Texas, even though we have so many people who are in need all over the world, um, but it just wasn't something that was prevalent. Right. So that took off. My practice, the minute that I put certified sex therapists on my business card, it just like tons of people coming in. And again, I'm, at this point, I'm pregnant. With my second, I'm like, how am I going to see all these people? So I started bringing on interns, and then they were staying with me. They love the practice. They love what we do. So now I have seven or eight people that are working under me, and it's so wonderful to have a group of women who all want to have that flexibility for their lives, Mm -hmm. who want to contribute, who can make their own hours, who can set their own pay. Like, all of that has just been so wonderful to be a part More of. Passionate. Now, yeah, they're very passionate. And it's all centered around relationships and sex. Because you can't really be great at everything. But you can be pretty so darn true. good at one or two things. <laughs> exactly. And you can always learn to get better, right? That's the, the part I love. Even sex, right? You can get better at that. Even sex. Time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then... So I was just floating along, going well, and then I started getting um, some production companies who would find me online because I was doing a lot of local media here in Houston. And they would say, hey, we want to pitch a show. Will you be the face so that we can pitch these shows to to networks? And nothing ever came of that. I mean, that was back like in 2015. I, I spent the next two years kind of in and out of talking with people from different production companies and it was like nothing would ever come of it. And so I would get my hopes up a little bit because I'm like, maybe they're right. seeing something in me. Maybe like, maybe I should try to do something in TV and nothing would happen. And then finally I said, you know what? Instead of waiting for people to come to see me, I'm going to go look for a production company that already has quality relationship programming and see if I they love need that. Someone. Yes, I love the hustle like <laughs> taking that initiative. I love it. So then 2017 rolls around, I find Kinetic Content. They're the ones who produce lots of hit shows, but especially Married at First Sight. Um, They also did Love is Blind. They do Little Women. They do so many amazing shows about relationships. So I reached out on LinkedIn and said, hey, I'm here. Let me send you some headshots. This is who I am. I'm interested if you ever need an expert I would be available, and I'd be interested in talking. The next day, I got a call uh, and said, I yes, it. we would love, like, we looked over your stuff. Love we it. love your vibe. We think it would help. We think it would work. Let's see what we can come up with. Two years after that, well, and I, it's funny because a couple of times, I would be like, hey, where are you? all I'm close by. Right. Let me meet you. <laughs> I'm like, what city What's are you in? That? I'm going to be there. Yeah. I want to have coffee with you. So I really kind of went after them. <laughs> and then when there was finally an actual opening, is it was two years after that first contact. And it was like, it's just been crazy since then. The past year and a quarter have been nonstop. I would have never guessed that I would be a part of something so big. Um, oh, my God. Especially because at so first it felt like it was never going to happen. Yeah, So let's talk about that first, because I'm a big believer in relentless pursuit, right? Like, if you want something, (laughs) we can't just sit there. I mean, as much as we would love to to have it be where, you know, everyone's banging down our door in the beginning, it's not like that, right? We have to want our dreams bad enough to go after them and to, you know, put our skin in the game and, and even be okay with, like, facing rejection or Whatnot. So there was something that you said that I want my listeners to really pay attention to because a lot of times people will be like, oh, you know, I reached out to them twice. I don't want to bug them. Um, maybe it just wasn't meant to be. Kind of all of this stuff. And mm-hmm. coming from a corporate sales background, I have to tell you that's not how it works. Like you have to build the relationship. Like you have to yes. do what, what you did. said hey, I'll take you to lunch. You're here. I'll take you to coffee. Like talk to somebody. Yeah, a bit about I. I really, so um, I was doing kind of a lecture circuit in California. I'm based in Houston. I live in Houston. But I was doing a a lecture circuit out there um, on how to increase desire level in a a couple that is experiencing sexual desire discrepancy. So I was out there in California anyway. I knew that Kinetic Content was out there in L.A. And I said, you know what, I have times from when I have to go from LAX in my rental to when I have to be up north. It was maybe like an hour and a half away up north. Can we please meet for – can I come to the office and meet you? I've been seeing you via Skype. We've been talking on the phone. We've been emailing. I'd love to meet you. And they said, absolutely. Come on up. We made the appointment. And it was like the craziest thing, Sarah. I'm sitting there. We're talking. We're vibing. Everyone's so sweet, so kind, so welcoming. Um, Smiles abound. I mean, we're like – it was just – and yeah, you're like this. All of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, I look behind me in their office, and there's a double rainbow. Uh <sighs> you're like it is. To it was the, the sign. weirdest. I feel it. Yes, they, we all looked at each other. We're like, this is a sign that something's gonna happen. <laughs> this, mean, this is me. crazy. No, I, I even have so like much- have pictures. It was, it was so going. crazy. Because you, you weren't sitting around, again, like waiting for them to call. And had you not done that, like had you not taken that initiative, had you not tried like one last time or whatever the case is, yeah. who knows where things would have gone because the difference of being in the room and getting a chance to know everyone and them seeing you in real life, you know, is probably everything, especially when it comes Absolutely. to the Absolutely. So, guys. And then they were you filming. <laughs> no, you can't quit. And that was the other thing. They were filming, I knew they would be filming in Dallas. Um, because I was following the show at this time. And I said, you know what? Well, they're in Dallas. I would love to meet with, you know, kind of the, the higher-ups yeah, um, yeah. who are going to be there. And I, I said, hey, I'd love to meet y'all just, you know, for an hour or two. Let's do like a happy hour. I'll drive up. And they were like, let's do it. Why not? Yeah. So <laughs> we go up there. I get my face in front of the executive producer, and he asks me a ton of questions about kind of my methodology and what I think about relationships to get to know who I am as a professional. Um, I made it a girls weekend with my cousins. And it it. it was awesome because then I know for a fact, because they told me, but I know for a fact that I was a front runner for when the position came up because they had gotten to meet me. Boom. See, that is everything I believe in. It's like there wasn't even a position open, which is why it, you know, took two years, it sounds like. And so, guys, you have to be persistent. If you want something bad enough, you have to be willing to, you know, I'm definitely not saying be annoying, but you have no to, don't, don't be, be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yes. like, you don't want to stand out. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to you stand out for the wrong audience. reasons. Right. You were, you were working on building the relationship. You were offering something. You weren't just like, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. You're like, can we go to lunch? Can we go to coffee? Like, you know, and, and Yes, those and types the thing is, with, with all companies, but especially with production companies, it's about timing and scheduling. So had it not worked out that the scheduling was something that they, they were able to figure out because – I wasn't like, hey, let me drop it on them. I'm here. I'm at the airport. Can I come by? No, you've got to plan like, at least a week or so in advance. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, they, and if they have time, they'll make it. If they don't, they just don't. And, and you can't take it personally. That's the other thing. There's a lot of rejection, a lot of rejection in this field, um, especially Absolutely. when it comes to the media aspect. Absolutely. But you have to believe in yourself enough to say, I have something to offer, give me 30 minutes. Give me just something, some time. Or I will create something that's easy for you to digest, like a reel, um, a media reel that shows kind of your, your biggest uh, highlights of what you do, and I'll send it to you. Because they're looking at those things all the time, um, which is one of the things that got me in front of them as well, was that I had created this reel, and a lot of people right now are asking me online, especially on social media, how do I do what you do? Yeah, well, I, um, <laughs> I I can't tell you that there's a formula to it, but if you are authentic and if you truly believe in what you do, reality TV shows will want that. If you yep. are coming across as a character, you don't need a character in an expert role. They've right. got they've got cast for that you know like and they don't even want characters as far as cast they just they want people to be real they want them to know what they're doing so honing your expertise is the best way to get to a place where you can be more visible. That is such good advice such good advice like I remember uh, when I first met Sherry Salata who was the executive producer mm-hmm. of the Oprah Winfrey show she was my idol I still fan girl her all the time. Um, But when I sat down, she invited me to to sit down and teach her about Future Boards, which is uh, the the new book. And I remember I was in her kitchen, and she was asking me all these questions. I thought I knew my shit, you know. I'm like, I invented Future Boards, for Christ's sake. Like, I know this stuff. Um, And her questions were so amazing and helped me think so outside the box. But I left there going, oh, my God, I still have so much work to do, you know. And thank God, you know, like, she was so loving and she inspired so much of the deep work that I was able to do in the new book. But, man, that was a big lesson for me. I was like, no matter, even though I thought I was so ready and and had done all the work, there's always ways that we can tighten our message,
0: you know, hone our
1: skill, be able to articulate it better. Yeah, and the other thing, like what you've just shown, um, the other thing that I've loved is if you have an attitude of wanting to be helpful, so if it, I'm in a helping profession, you are too, I mean, right, but right. if if that's where your heart is at and that's where your spirit is at, it can't just be faceted. For me, like for instance, I'm holding an, a virtual information session for people who want to know how to become a sex and a relationship and sex therapist today. Like I want to help others because that's yes. in my nature. Yep. It's not like I'm going to all of a sudden be like, oh, I got this gig on TV and everybody wants to know how to do that. I'm not going to share. No, right. there's plenty for everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. And we, you know, I, I always feel like we learn more, me, especially, I mean, one of the, one of my best ways to learn something is to start teaching it even before I you know, Absolutely. have it all down. I mean, that's how my kind of brain processes things to make them yes. more simple and easier to follow and all those things. But I think a lot of people are really scared to share their knowledge until they feel like you're an expert and you can't get it. I don't think you can get to that level until you just get out there and start getting some experience under your belt, you know. You're not going to be perfect yes. out out of the gate, but you have to start But trying. there's a sense of competition that scares people. There's a sense of there's a finite amount of XYZ, and it can really hinder people professionally because what I have found is it's about connection. It's about mm. reaching out. Yeah. And if, you know, offering people information, then all of a sudden you become an expert in that because I remember so-and-so told me this. She would be the person to ask. But right. what I found, especially having become, a, a, you know, this instructor for my program, is that the more visible your profession becomes, the more opportunities become of it, you know? So right. I, I want more and more people to become certified sex therapists. That does exactly. not scare me. It's not a, it doesn't make me feel threatened. If anything, it makes it to where it legitimizes the profession that much more and that can only be helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I think now, if, especially nowadays, I think women, um, we've kind of been talking about it on the show a little bit, how that dynamic has changed, I feel like, in the last five years or so, where we are starting to see it's it's me that is different. You know, like I can't – I'm not yes. competing against anybody else. Like there is no other You're Sarah so on the right. planet. There's no other Vivian on the planet. Like there's no yes. such thing as competition as long as I am bringing – my true passion and what I believe in, there could be 80 million life coaches out there and I'm still going to be Sarah, you know? so yes. competition, yeah. I think the more well, and you it's funny. embrace that, the better. Yes, and it's funny because I'm finally rounding out my first book. Um, I've been working on it for years at this point. Um, I and one you, of girl. the main things <laughs> that helped me to take that turn to the finish line is the idea that It's my voice. It's my experiences. I don't need to put them up against anybody else's because what people are going to learn is from what my experience is. I don't need to gather all of the research and information Mm -hmm. about this topic that has ever existed because guess what? That's already out there. People can find it. What they don't have is what's been going on in my office, in my mind, in my profession. So, and how you the, teach it, how you share it, you know, like that. Yes, is and, and my perspective. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. That's uh, uh, what I had to finally realize as well, because I thought when I started this, I'm like, I'm a single mom from Oregon. Who's going to listen to me? You know, like, I don't have the doctorate. I don't have any of that stuff. And so it helped me back for a while, because I really, really thought no one's going to take me seriously because I'm a regular chick, you know um and honestly the first book I, I interviewed like 50 various um you know celebrities and things like that because I was like maybe they'll place some because they're in the book and what I realized is the feedback I got was everyone was like the stories were great that's cool and everything but we're there for what you have to say and that was a huge mm-hmm. wake-up call for me because I realized like people can get all the the experts they can read textbooks they, you know but what they're here for is like how we share that information, how we break it down. And listeners, if you're out there and you have something on your heart to share, just know the way you're going to share it with the world is different than anybody else's. And so, you know, waiting for all your ducks to line up or waiting until you feel like you are that expert is just prolonging Mm -hmm. everything. So, girl, can we talk about some sex? (laughs) Can we please? Yes, let's do this. Oh, my Lord. Okay. I have so many. Um, Again, thanks, Facebook. You you guys really came through for me Um, because I haven't been having much of that for a long time, so um, I needed a little (laughs) – I need to know what everyone else is dealing with. Um, So a lot of listeners know that uh, my – rock bottom moment. was like 11 years ago when, when my uh, husband in high school, sweetheart left. And since then I kind of made a decision to raise my kids as a single mom. I've loved that decision. Um, I dated like the first five or six years, but then I really was like, I just love raising my kids. I want to do my career. That's what's important to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And when they're off to college, mama is free. (laughs) Um, okay. So the first question I have is I know you're probably like, no girl, um, but how long is too long to be off the market when we're talking fun? Well, that's love? the thing. I mean, we've, <laughs> yeah, we, all of love and sex has to do with practice and experience. And what I mean by that is we tend to go we tend to retreat into ourselves if we don't put ourselves out there and, and kind of relate to others. Um, and with love, you can have all the self-love that you want, but you don't show it the same way as if you're going to show it to somebody else. So if you, you obviously have a lot of maternal love that you're practicing and that's right. taking up a lot of, of your time and energy, but that's going to look Definitely really different. different. Yeah. Um, whenever you're sharing it with somebody who doesn't uh, physically need you, who doesn't actually rely on you for everything. Um, So I think what happens is if you are, and this is just talking about the emotional, we'll talk about the physical ramifications of being off the market too long. Um, But I think that it's about making sure that while you are happy and content by yourself, that you don't lose sight of, the benefits and the unique and the sacred of sharing a life with someone else. I don't think it should happen out of necessity, but I do think it should be something that you consider as a valid form of um, companionship, of seeing the life through through someone else's eyes, of seeing, of experiencing experiences with someone else. I think it's important to have a witness to our lives. Now, I think a lot of people feel that way and they so put it online. True. <laughs> so true. That is the thing that I have missed for sure because, you know, you don't have anyone to share those big wins with. You don't have anyone to, when my kids are little, to be like, oh, wasn't that cute? They did that, you know? So so true. Expand on and, that a little And not because, that that should yeah. be the end-all be-all um, because, again, I think it's important to be great and, and be your own best everything, your best friend, cheerleader, um, playmate, all of that. But, Studies show and the history of the world shows that we experience higher levels of satisfaction, higher levels of pleasure when we get to share them in a community. And that community can so be a, a community of two um, yeah. or, you know, or more if that's your thing too. But I, I think that physically though, if, you, if you're not going to be practicing the physical aspects of sexuality with someone else, it's on you. It's, it, the onus is on you to make sure that you are practicing by yourself. Women's bodies, yeah. especially because um, because we have a vagina that um, over time can atrophy and and can actually you know post menopause our vaginas if we don't you know them, uh, interfere we lose <laughs> with it they will well they will kind of um, go back to prepubescent size. And and that can oh, wow. be very painful no because men's men's body parts and men's genitalia don't tend to get any smaller, so um, right. it can be very difficult. And so when you when you said when they get to this point, then I'm free, I thought okay, yeah, I'm that's put a long the vagina time. ready for it <laughs> I know it's gonna be a make lot sure. of free practice. I am going to make sure <laughs> that you're ready. Um Right. But but yeah, so and then the other thing is that I, I find that people who say, okay, I have put my career first or I put my kids first and now it's time for me to find a companion, but it's been 5, 10, 15 years, uh, so you harder. get very used. Yeah. You, get, you just get so used to being on your own, own and your own not thing, relying yeah. on anybody else and not creating space for someone else. That's so true. And you just, you just don't have the desire. Like, it just goes away. So is there a way to maybe start there to bring back the desire if it's been a long time and you're like, I don't even miss it. I don't even think about it. <laughs> you know, like, how do we start Well, today? the number one question I would have for someone who's questioning that is, what does sex mean to you? And when I say sex, I don't mean just intercourse. I mean all types of sexuality. Definitely. Yeah. Um, And intimacy, but also just the physical pleasure of it. What does it mean to you and why is it important to you? Is it only important when you're coupled up? Is it important to you as an individual? The reason Uh, that I think it's important for you to figure out why it would be important to you as an individual is because it's going to tend to create that motivation to mm self-explore. To read erotica to, yeah. you know, elicit an arousal response from your body. You know, I was thinking about it today. There must be so many cars out there right now that are going to struggle to turn on because nobody's right. driving. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, and, and people oh, who you know, have had cars that just sit. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the thing. We have, um, we have, even people who have the most uh, pleasurable sexual experiences, if it hasn't happened in a while you're going to have an anxiety response. Yeah. And, and, you know, for men, it can look like having some sort of erectile dis- disorder yeah. or even just, you know, dysfunction at the time. But for women, it can feel very, very scary to have anything go near you because we are receiving something into our bodies. We have mm-hmm. to be very vulnerable. Um, right, and if you haven't done or, that in a long time, it can be really and scary. If, exactly. So yeah. for sure, I would say figure out what your motivation is for having healthy sexuality be a part of your life, and then read erotic literature. Use your vibrators and dildos, Make yeah. sure that you are exploring your body, courting yourself. Don't have uh, empty masturbatory experiences just for the sake of you know, right. orgasming. You should really court yourself, romance yourself relax yourself. I love that. I love that. Um, do all of those things that we're always encouraging women to relax and to feel, you know, kind of at at peace with their bodies. There's no reason why we can't make that go into our own, you know, mm. self-pleasure experiences as well. So my question my next question kind of leads into this. Um for guys and girls, I guess, is there a danger with too much self-pleasure to the point where someone else can't give you that that pleasure? Absolutely, and yes, the answer is absolutely. Um, You can get very compulsive with sexuality. We can have uh, problematic porn usage. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. so many different things that can happen. First and foremost, I would say when you are self-pleasuring, both men and women, try to replicate a partnered experience as best as possible. And what that might look like is turning off the vibrating function because
0: yeah, no man crazy. can do that
1: no yeah. woman can do that like that's can get just not possible other things besides, like porn or erotica or whatever so that you could know what it would right. be like in, in real life exactly exactly so fantasize that's a big part of this fantasize uh-huh. about things that are possible and plausible yeah fantasize about experiences you've had fantasize right. about i mean there's a lot of times where you know, I'll, I'll talk to people and kind of help them create a fantasy. And they didn't have any clue that any of this could possibly come from their own minds. They thought they had to get it from a sexy wow. podcast or a novel or porn. And I'm like, no, it's all there.
0: It's yeah. all there.
1: But if you want to really be ready for a partnered experience, I would say make sure that you're thinking of things that are possible. That's such good advice. So what about... Um, If you've been married and you're not having sex, it's been a long time. Um, You know, I have I have a friend shall remain nameless, um, and and it's been I want to say like years. And so you know, we've had Mm -hmm. a lot of conversations about that, like getting back on the saddle. Mm -hmm. You know, like bringing that back in. How do you bring it back in
0: to a marriage or a relationship?
1: Most people. Uh, You know, your your listeners right now are are probably gasping when you said it's been a couple of years. This is what I I see day in and day out. Wow. I I unfortunately have become almost desensitized to the idea that people are not experiencing any sort of sexuality that is pleasurable, that is even consensual at times, for eight years at a time. Yeah, in a marriage because, and some people who are young too. Like that is oh, yeah. surprising, you know, like a young mm-hmm. marriage, young people is like, really? Wow, okay. Yeah, and you think, well, how does that even happen? How could you go? Some people would say right. two weeks is too long, right? Well, there are lots of reasons that it can happen and I'm actually um, creating a program right now that is going to you know, kind of answer this one this one question, which is how do how to avoid... Creating that um, sexual,
0: uh, mm-hmm. vo- that sexual yeah. void,
1: post post kids, because that's when it typically happens. Is you will have people who all of a sudden all of their energy, both physical and emotional, goes into and financial too, goes into raising these infants, and they think, much like kind of going back to what you said. Well, when they reach this point, yeah. we will come back together. Or it'll just come back. It'll we'll, just come back. Just oh, yes. It'll just, just want it show up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just going to show up uh, in your bedroom. Um, and that's, that's not what happens. Typically what ends up happening is they will get better at being apart, get better at not having sexual desire and urges or addressing them on their own. They will then get to a place where affection feels like pressure, Right. And, it, yeah, and it's, it's totally it's a, I mean it's a slippery slope and it happens all the time. Um, as far as having low desire for sexuality and just kind of feeling like it's really just not something that's important, it has to be work. You have to want to do that. I can't create I can't create desire out of nowhere. It has to be something that you at least want to want. Exactly. And that comes from looking at why you love your partner, why you care about your partner, why it would be it would be a benefit to your entire family for the two of you to be able to connect intimately forever. Yeah, and how much better life is when you are when you when that wall that starts getting built up between the two of you, right? Cuz like you said, yes, even a kiss, even a hug feels like pressure and and rejection at the same time, right? So the person who is giving it feels like it's not being received because you know, you're wanting to keep that wall there. And, and to keep the wall up takes energy, you know? Like that, yes, that it That's probably more energy than... Well, and the, it's also, I think, very upsetting for the two people because that's not what they signed up for when they decided right. to be together.
0: That's not what right. they
1: signed up for when they decided to get pregnant. Most people don't think, oh, you know, as soon as I get pregnant, our relationship will just go down in the dumps. No, like that is not what they're signing up for. But they're letting it happen. Some people are doing it um, knowingly and they're mm-hmm. avoiding having to even address it because they think, well, I mean, it's going to be too much to have to deal with being a parent and being a dad or being a parent and being, um, I'm sorry, being a parent and right. a husband or a parent and it's spouse, you know, whatever. So that's where I want to really interrupt the cycle because a lot of you out there are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And then the question becomes, yeah, but then what do we do about it? How do we get that? So that's what it? I do. Yeah, do that's what I do day it? in and day out. And it's not going to happen overnight. Um, just recently, you know, in the last year, I, I finally put up um, an online version of this program that I do in session with people. And But it, it, it takes two people who really want to try to figure say, this out. Yeah. So what you you can't do you do in it alone. that situation if um, – if one, if one person is maybe not really even addressing that it's an issue or a problem, can the other person do some things to start to, to rebuild that intimacy? And what, you know... I think, yeah. yeah, I think that the other person has to do something to rebuild right. the intimacy because if not, what is the alternative? You're going to end up leaving each other or hurting yeah. each other very badly. Right, right. You can't stay in it forever. I mean, it's, it's too exhausting. And it, and it becomes just almost. I've been doing this since 2003. It, it has yet to just show up on someone's doorstep.
0: You're mm-hmm. going to have
1: to do something. And just because one person um, is less, I guess, excited about working on it or less comfortable or even less confident working about it, doesn't mean that that, can't, that won't happen later on in the process. So right. just because you're both not 100% all in, let's do this, that doesn't mean it's going to, you know, it's it's often like a sexual experience. Sometimes one person is more into it than the other, and then it starts happening, and then you start kind of experiencing all of the, the highs from it, and you're like, I'm glad I did that. like yeah. going to the gym. Well, I'm <laughs> you, you may not want to go, but exactly. then when you're done, you're like, I'm glad so glad. Exactly. Do you recommend uh, kind of powering through or having – maybe even like a time limit where you're like, because life happens. I mean, now we're in COVID. And so
0: every day is
1: blending into the next and, you know, oh, yeah. it's, we're just like, what's happening. So, But do you recommend that couples have like, okay, we are not going to go longer than two weeks. So we're not going to, you know, and even, even if on the two week mark, you're like, ah, I don't necessarily feel it. Like, what do you think about that? Like, should, should people do time limits or, or power through when they're not necessarily feeling it? So at at running the risk of sounding like a tyrant, um, I, but I'm not a fluff ball, so I don't want to go to the whole, like, oh, whatever works for you works <laughs> right, for right. you, because yeah, there no, there it, is a... Give it to us nice and hard, girl. We like it hard. Yeah. I'll give it, <laughs> I'm going to give it to you nice and hard, Sarah. <laughs> I love it. Um, you can tell it's been I a while I think that you here. need, it has been a while. It's okay. <laughs> That's good. Um I think that most couples need to be experiencing some sort of sexual contact or sexual playfulness twice a week. But that does not have to look like intercourse. Okay, expand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what that means is I would love for my couples to feel like sex could happen at any moment if they had the time for it because the desire is there. But not everyone has the time for it. and Not everybody's schedules line up together. There's illness. There's all sorts of stuff that can happen. But if they can look at each other and say, you know what, if we could, we would, that goes a long way yeah, because like our, we're not robots. You. I want you. Yes. Yeah. I want people to want to have sex. That's, that's actually one of the first lines of my book. I want people I to that. want to have sex. I don't necessarily care if they're having it all the time. It's the desire for it because that's what makes you feel bonded. That's what mm-hmm. makes you feel that's what makes you feel like you've so got it. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and that goes both ways. That's not just towards women. Men need to feel desired. There's a reason why men will look for that. It's because they need to feel desired, they need to feel admired, they need to feel respected and cherished like women do. But we take it for granted. I can speak from my place as a, as a woman. Um, I identify as a woman. I feel like we take it for granted that our partners will want us at any given moment. Very true, yeah, very true. And because we take it for granted, we think, well, you know, we don't have to show it to them because they should just know that if we're if we're you know showing interest in them sexually, that that's that's enough. No, they need to be told. They need to. I mean, they need their. They need more than just their penis stroke stroked. Like they need right, their yeah, strokes. yeah. And where, when um, we need to be told we're beautiful. It's kind of the same thing. They they need that as well. It has to be reciprocatory on both sides. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think that if you can get to a place where, if one of you is saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry the torch for our sex life right now because I know this isn't your favorite topic, this isn't the easiest topic for you, this isn't something that's coming from an urge within, so I will carry the torch. But you have to share why it's important to you. Nobody wants to feel like a piece of meat. No one wants to feel like a sex doll. So yep. you need to share, oh, it's not just, oh, because sex is important. No, you can do that on your own. Right. You can do it with, you know, with whatever. But why is it important for the two of us to have that between us? Why do we need to have that energy between us? Why is that important to you? If you can share that, that, you can get just about anyone on board with working on it. Yes, I love that. So uh, one of the questions that came on Facebook was, you know, with, with COVID, with being home all day long, um, for the, the married moms out there with kids, this is specific, yeah. uh, who are now homeschool teachers, still running their businesses, uh-huh. you know, like trying not to lose our minds, in our houses. Um, and then Hubs is like, hey, honey. <laughs> and you're, you know, her question was like, how do you um, – Either get in quickies here and there, but then also, like, when you just are too tired and just are not yeah. feeling it, like, how do you say no without having them feel rejected, right? Because that isn't what you're you're wanting to do. You don't want to, like, hurt them. So this is where I kind of, I have to do the disclaimer that um, I, I, I have already lost my homeschool teacher card. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> Me too, man. I was doing good. From the, very, I, you know yeah. <laughs> From the very beginning of this, I had already told myself, being in this situation is already stressful. I am not going to add my kids' schooling as another factor to be truly stressed about. I'm just not. No. And, and that's I mean, a choice that I had to make for myself. I was like, I am not going to, I'm not going to be stressed out every day. That is not well, what not only this is that, about. like I don't even know what they're, like, even if I wanted to help them, everything they're learning is, like, I would have to learn how to be a teacher in order to help them. <laughs> so It's like, it's yeah. not even possible, you know? So this yeah. is where we'll probably get some groans on the other end of this. But when it comes to sexuality, you have to prioritize it in the top three or four. And mm-hmm. you can't ever take it out of the top three or four of your priorities. And that means sacrificing, you know, that Zoom call. That If, if you're yeah. going to be stressed out or tired, which I hear this all the time, I'm so tired, I'm just so tired, there are so many things that you that you have to do to be a, a good human and to be a productive human in life. Weed out the things that are going to take you to a place that are going to make you feel like you're not living up to the agreement that you made for your marriage or your, for your relationship. Because guess who's going to suffer mm-hmm. from your being tired? Your marriage. Everybody. Guess what's going to suffer yeah. from your marriage? Your kids. I mean, this is, this is that thing where you're going to have to say, what am I taking off of my plate in order to prioritize sexuality in somewhere in the top? It can't be number 10 and have it actually be something that's pleasurable and exciting and bonding. Right, then it's exactly what we've been talking about happens, right? That drought starts coming and the longer it goes, easier it is to just kinda stay with that flow. So that that's great advice. Also, you know, I've seen on um on your Instagram, I know that you've been talking about this too, with COVID, if and I'm I'm sure there's sadly many women and maybe men in domestic situations uh-huh. um, yeah. right now of the lockdown and things like that. Uh, what is your advice, you know, if if they're in a situation where it isn't consensual? Yeah, so this is where we need to be checking in on each other. We need to um, let other people know what's happening. Uh, I know that it it, is, it takes on average seven attempts at leaving a domestically violent situation in order to actually ha- have it happen. And unfortunately, there are so many more people who do stay for the mm. kids or because they fear for their lives. Um, I think it's very important that you continue trying to make the best out of um, out of what you have together if there is seemingly no way out. So mm-hmm. see a therapist. Talk to yeah. someone. Even if it's just to to cope with what it is that's going on between the two of you, Don't give up on trying. You never know. I mean, honestly, I would say if if this is what's happening to you and you've tried, you need to try to get out. But what I'm talking about is for the people who can't, who feel trapped, especially right now by all of the different constraints that are happening financially and socially. You have nowhere to go. Seek help online. There are anonymous um, ways to get that. For instance, um, one of the companies that I'm with is Intima Health. You can go online, there's an app, and you can talk to someone. Bring back that information to your partner. Don't give up on making your partner aware of the fact that you want different, you want better, you want healthier. And what I'm hoping that will happen from that is that eventually you will gain some ground and your partner who is struggling with this and who absolutely needs to reach out for help as well will see that life is better when you are better to each other. That right. things and, and will actually go too. better. Yeah. Yeah. It, some of those skills that can help you if you can't leave and you're in that situation, how to survive it better maybe until yes. there's an option to leave. And don't stop talking about it with your trusted confidants. Don't don't let yourself be even more isolated you know, tell whoever's willing to listen that you are Mm -hmm. experiencing these issues and ask them to please continue to check in on you because until you are able to leave, having at least a few trusted people as a witness to what it is that's going on, it might be the difference between life and death. So true. Oh, my God, such great advice. So my my last question, as a mom, um, I have a 17-year-old son and twins that are about to be 13, How do we talk to our kids about sex? I mean, obviously they have, uh, you know, they go to written middle school and Mm -hmm. all of that. But, you know, when is a good age for parents to have some of those conversations with their kids? And how do they go about it? I mean, it can be kind of awkward. (laughs) Well, I would say actually it needs to start around two or three. When we're, yeah. te- teaching our, um, when we're teaching our kids about elbows, we need to be teaching them about vulvas and penises and buttocks and anuses as well mm-hmm. as eyeballs and noses and heads, yeah. you know, like, first it starts with anatomy. We want kids to understand how their bodies work so that they don't grow up to be fearful of their bodies as adults, which right. still happens. Yep. There are so many women in their 30s especially, who have no idea what is happening between their navels and their knees. It's, wow, it's yeah. unheard of. I, I don't understand why it's happening. But it does start with, with just accepting the fact that all of your body, not just the parts that are able to be shown uh, in public, mm-hmm. are worthy of attention. I think that that's the number one place to start. And then as they get older... Four, five, six, seven, you want to start talking about what is private and what is um, and yeah. what consent is, and who, who is allowed to and who is permitted to be witness to their body and to be even in contact with their body and under what circumstances. Mm. That's very important. Absolutely. And then, as they get you know start going into their prepubescent age, um, you know nine to twelve, then going into pu- at puberty it's very important that we teach them why their bodies function the way that they do, when to know if something is wrong, and what's okay, what is healthy, what's normal, what's typical. Yeah, And to not allow our own cringiness and our own discomfort. Because at this point, we're not even really talking about sexual intercourse or even sexual activity. We're talking about our bodies. Mm-hmm. And that is something that everyone should know. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're abstinent your whole life. You still need to know what your body, how your body works and functions. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. having those and conversations. And the more you talk about it, I think the less awkward it will be for both. You know, your kids and for you, oh, where it's not a taboo. Exactly. Subject, you know? And if you were to make it like something that put that you put on the calendar for once a month to check in with your part with your um, kids, like yeah. as a partnership too, if you were in a Two parent household, you both need to be a part of it. it. It needs to be something that is maybe you have one kid that you have a conversation with, and then the other maybe it's not just like yeah. a you know a town hall or anything because everybody's at different ages typically, um, and so there's different levels of you know, yeah, appropriateness yeah, of when it comes to that. But it does need to be you're going to hear this it's not the sex talk, it's a series of talks forever. You know, I, I hope when my kids yeah. are older and our sexual, yeah, I hope that they would feel like it's something that I can check in with them about. Mm-hmm. Um, watch it be totally not the case and they're like, I'm a <laughs> sex therapist, I don't want to talk to you. Right? Um, <laughs> I'll talk exactly. to dad about they're it. They're like, I'll talk um, to another sex therapist, not mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but it does need to be a series of talks. And when it comes to puberty, it's such a great segue into talking about why things Occur in our bodies the way that they do, so that you can talk about sexual intercourse. Be scared, yeah, yeah. That's so true. So I know that you uh, offer a lot of different resources. I mean, obviously, you're on the show, um, you know, full time. But tell us a little bit about um, how people can can learn more and you know get in contact with you. Sure. So I'm trying to do everything that I can to create a really easy, convenient way to get information that's valuable. Um, Ultimately, I want relationships to excel when it comes to feeling like there's intimacy between them. So I've created online programs. I'm um, still very much a therapist day in and day out, especially now. It feels like there's no office hours. Um, I'm working with couples and individuals virtually, um, and I'm able to do that through Intima Health. So... There are people all over the world that are contacting not just me, but all the providers on Intima Health for help right now. You can see people for 15 minutes. You can text them. You can email them. You can do video. um, You can do all the scheduling online. But my website, drviviana.com, I'm really trying to create like this one-stop shop where you can um, figure out... You know, But I'm putting programs on there that address the top issues that I see when it comes to relationships, and uh, I'm writing two more right now, so I'm constantly trying to put out information. I have the Vivid Relationships Community online. It's a $10 a month subscription service. Every week you get new information, something that will really help you to, uh, not just as an individual but even in relationships, be able to feel more intimate and close closely connected with um, your partner or even with yourself and do you giveaways yeah. on there. It's, it's super fun. Um, well, and and then of course tools too, like they're, you know, they're, they're tools, they're things to do, you know, I think that's yeah, so important. Prompts. like, I mean, okay, I can go, I can go try this. Yeah. And then um, of course, you know, on social media, I, You know, it's funny because when I first started social media, it was my digital marketing person said, you have to have an Instagram. I was like, what am Mm -hmm. I going to post on Instagram? And then I realized there's no agenda. Like, I just want people to understand that I want you to have a healthy relationship. And if my own relationship and and kind of seeing the things that I do with Mm -hmm. my husband or with my family or whoever, it all relates. So then I was yep. like, I'm just going to add that. Now, I won't add the kids because I feel like they need to be old enough to consent. But yeah. um, I, I totally just, I want to have fun with it. I want people to see that relationships and, and healthy relationships can be such an asset to your life. It assumes it everyone to want to yep. improve their relationships because that's where the pleasure and the enjoyment comes out Enjoy. of life. The joy, happiness. Who's, yes, yeah. the joy. Ask anyone who's not in a good relationship and it pervades all the good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, so it's true. a terrible thing. It's like the, the ink in the water. Like, if it's not going well, it feels like I don't care how much achievement in, in your profession. I don't care how many accolades you get as a parent. It just dampens yeah. everything. Absolutely. And here's the good news, guys. It can be fixed, right? You can do the work. You can If you have the desire, you can do the work. You can uh, put in the time. You can make it better. You can get better at all of that, and that is what it is I'm all Under about. very rare circumstances have I had to tell people, "Look, I really recommend that you no longer be, be in each other's lives. It happens very rarely because most of the time they can they can yeah. fix things, things can get better, especially if there's love underneath it all, you know if there's still love and commitment there then the rest of it, you can put the work in and get the right tools. So guys, um, I will put all the links in our show notes. Dr. Viviana, I have absolutely loved this conversation. Um, you've given me so much food for thought. I'm just like, (laughs) okay, Sarah, might be time to get off there a little bit. Show in water. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I would love to help you with that when you're ready. Let's talk. (laughs) I just might hit you up and be like, okay, how do I do this again? (laughs) It's been a minute. Um, thank you so much. You've totally inspired me. Uh, thanks for being on the show. And of course, everybody go watch Married at First Sight I know it's streaming on Hulu all the past seasons. Um, I was catching yes. up last night. So the new season it's on 11. Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Is Wednesday night. Tonight, or starting. Soon. Yeah, that's right. Season eleven. It's super exciting. We're in New Orleans. It's an amazing Ooh. place. I, I know. I am so thrilled to be in such a beautiful city with such a really deep culture. And I can't wait to see how it all works out with coronavirus. Right, exactly. Well, we are so grateful. Thank you so much, Dr. Viviana. And everybody go hustle and thrive.
0: Thanks for listening. And remember, if you got value from today's show, please spread the love by clicking subscribe, leaving a stellar review, and telling everyone you know. And join us next time on The Sarah Centrella Show.